All right, what's up, guys? Uh, John Sintes here, Cutter Nation Podcast, partner cast, Crank Load. Today's guest, Richard Shepherdson, aka Rue, owner of Rue Formance. Uh, AKA Rue. Guy here. This is our new home. We couldn't be happy to be here. Rue, appreciate you coming on and do a little podcast. Yes. Oh, oh, thanks for having me. Fun, fun. Yeah. Um, can you tell everybody where you're from, who you are, what your uh, history is? Sure. Um, I was originally from Alaska. Grew up to about 15 over there, then immigrated to Minnesota. Um, then in 2009, moved down to San Diego. Played competitive sports my whole life. My main sport is rugby, though. Uh, started when I was, yeah, big dude. Yeah, so, uh, started when I was four back home. Pretty much played all the way until I was 24 when I decided to start my own company in 23. And then, um, yeah, my background in like training is I have a couple certifications, uh, national certifications, a degree in kinesiology. Um, From where? San Diego State. Uh-huh. Um, my, Specialty was performance specialty, so uh, I love making the human body as strong and physically possible as it can be, doing the best machine possible. Yeah. Um, so you and I talked about this before. You got hurt, yeah, and then uh, came back from that and that experience. Can you tell us about what happened? Yeah. yeah so I hyperextended my spinal cord, where basically I was on all fours trying to get up. I had about eight guys my size falling to my back, and my spine hit each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, just being a big guy and in contact throughout playing rugby my whole life, I didn't break any bones or just like break any discs or nerves in my back. But what I did was I tore all my muscles apart and they adhesed all kind of funky and wonky. And uh, basically, I should be in a wheelchair. But then I went to a specialist. Uh, she did ART, which is active release therapy. And it's like black magic. But I basically played, I think, six more years high level rugby after that. Lifted heavyweights for strongman. Never knew I ever hurt my back until like I could think about it. Did it. So um, the therapy coming back and being a top athlete after that was obviously great. Because any athlete that's injured hates it. I mean, it's probably our kryptonite. Is any kind of injury is always our kryptonite or Achilles heel. Awesome. Okay, that sucks. I've been hurt. Broke my elbow. You've been hurt. Um, now I know you have been going to Rue for some ART, right? Do you want to tell everybody about your experience about, you know, how it went and maybe, maybe before that, why don't you explain what yeah, ART is? No, I can, okay, yeah. yes, that's a, that's yeah, a good Why don't you explain so, what ART is? Why don't you explain so, what ART is? ART is active therapy. Basically, it's trigger points. So when your body, um, there's different versions. There's adhesions or knots. Most people get knots. They feel like, oh, I got a knot in my back. Everybody always says they have a knot from working out. That's just where the muscle stretches. kind of goes on top of each other. And the lactic acid calcifies around there and they kind of get like on top of each other. So, Can right? you actually explain? This is the perfect place to slow that down and help me understand what, what you just said. So, basically, when we're like, for example, so you're talking about a knot right now, not a knot. Yeah, a knot. Okay, and you've told me that this is like uh, a grain of sand, that crunchy feeling. Right. Those are the knots, not yes. the things that are like, yeah. So, long. an adhesion is imagine taking, you've overstretched a muscle. What it does is it adheres to another muscle, creating an impingement there. Most of the problem is adhesion is always connected to a tendon, which is either on bone or like a nerve. So that's why sciatic pain is usually forced by like an adhesion along the bottom of the sciatic into the hips, which runs down like either your legs or sometimes it can go like across your back, right? I've had clients that lose um, the function in the hand from the sciatic issue or adhesion down in their lower back. So 
the body's all connected. And most of the time, if, for example, let's say she thought her, she hurt her wrist or her hand was the problem, but after you follow it all the way down, you find that it's actually somewhere else in the body. And it eases the way you've separated the muscle and the slime back together like glue must. And then basically, so let's say most people have problems in their back because they're all connected in different ways. If one's pulling on the other, it's going to pull on a different area, and it just escalates into like a snowball effect of problems. So, uh, and you said there's another version, and is this, what about you? How, how does it feel for your experience? Why don't we go through the well, history? Like, how did you do it, like the, the, your first experience with it? How bad were yours? And, uh, yeah, so I had... Like, I want to hear you back. talk about... Yeah. You yeah. I had a lady, her name was Dr. Holly up in Minnesota. She owned the uh, Spinal Sports Institute. Where? She, uh, right up in uh, Maple Grove, uh, right across from, I think it was on the, I think it was just before like Maple Grove High School. We, we all we'll have some Minnesota people watching us. So, yeah. yeah, so she's up in, I'm pretty sure she's still up there. Uh, her and her like, say it practice one more time? Uh, sports and Spine Institute in Minnesota. I think it is Minnesota Sports and Spine yeah, Institute. Yeah, what's her name? Uh, Dr. Holly. Okay. Yeah, so she's amazing. I mean, she's like maybe 115 pounds. And she was probably the strongest female I've ever met in my life. Like, she'd have her assistant pull my leg to stretch my glute, which pulled on my lower back. And she'd stick her thumb in the adhesion and it would rip. And I'd literally black out. Or like, it'd be insanely painful. So whenever I do it on people, like, gasp and anybody says, oh, it's sore. I'm like, trust me, I know. I had this 115-pound lady beat me. And black out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because the pain is just crazy. Uh, so, but I mean, it works. She fixed my back, and I've lifted heavy, heavy weights after that. Uh, played high level rugby all the way up to in San Diego, and would never have ever hurt my back if it wasn't for her. Like she said, I would have been in a wheelchair. So, yeah, this stuff's crazy. But well, so mine have been so intense because of just like, I don't want you to just rip into my hamstring right now. So, like, we got to get on the same page right now before I accept the fact that you can do this. So, but then there's been other parts where, like, my calf is like, let's do this. Let's go. Um, dig into the release. Yeah, but, but then there's also things like I'm walking in there and I'm not relaxed. And I know that, like, I've also been coming in, like, I've been coming in late, to be honest. And that's something like, oh, maybe I should try a little bit harder to come prepared mentally. And that would probably be something that would be helpful. Everybody's different. Um, but these are just like the things that I'm learning about it. So what I've talked to, um, I go to therapy for, for, for my life. And, and so comparing it to psychotherapy, I don't think it's that crazy because of the amount of overlap between the two of them. Right? And so the fact that you know, I have to, like I always say about Vance, like Vance is safe and he just takes it. And he's just like, yep. I'm going to let him do this. And, and he's like, That's, that takes a certain confidence in who you are and what you're about to just be like, I have the courage right now to no matter what, let this person just rip my muscles apart. <laughs> and that's literally the what... The thing is, like, it hurts, but then instantly I'll move and it'll be like... like it's, and it's now my... Really feeling I, so, and I have, I have thrown... Because this quarantine stuff, but like... That thing in my shoulder that we got out last time, this was like, let's go. So I was more prepared last time. So even though I didn't, I'm like, I, I need to come. Like, these things I'm learning too, right? Um, but frick, I was so excited to get that out. And it's like, my shoulder goes that much higher, like inches. It's so obvious. It's and weird. So, 
So, and that's what it's turned into. It's like, now that I know what's on the other side, it's like, okay. Let's <laughs> get going. Phoenix so it's not, faint, it's not for the faint of heart. Now, I'm curious, I'm curious do eight-year-olds have adhesions? Oh, yeah. I, there's some people. I've had one guy come in once uh, that he was a cop. And we, he had a problem with his lat. I just stretched out. It was completely fine. And then he's like, well, sometimes my hip hurts. And then we went down there, and he had one probably the size of my fist because he carries his gun and everything on his belt right along his hip. So we didn't think, holy crap, a cop can have a different kind of adhesion or problem than somebody else can. You know, I have firefighters that have down their rhomboids uh, massive knots because they carry all that weight. A lot of military people carry it on their shoulders in the middle of their back. Uh, a lot of high school, college yeah, kids wear backpacks. Yeah, carry it in the middle of their back. And kids, because they're so young and their muscles are so flexible, they stretch really quick and come back together quick. So they're easy to fix because literally it's just pressing, stretching, and releases. Whereas if you're a little bit older, that's where the harder to separate. But I've had people come in saying they have sore backs or kids. I had one of our members come in with his daughter. She plays soccer, thinking she had a sore hamstring. Where that shit, he's going to stretch out, it's completely fine. So, um, it really is different. People think they might have an adhesion or not, but they just need to stretch more. It's most people that have like an adhesion, something that like stops them from moving. Like, I've had only weightlifters come in, their right arm goes up, no left one stops here. So, once we're done, it's weird, they both eat. So, it's uh, just really depends on I mean, in all honesty, I've been nervous to, to like introduce younger kids because of how intense it is, but it's, it's coming all the time. so it's, and it, it might just be like, they need stretching. Yeah, they, yeah, they, most of the time, like the younger kids, it's super easy to get rid of an adhesion or not, just because you got to stretch them out. Um, and they're willing yeah. to, yeah. just get uh, to play with them, them. Yeah. like uh, let them have some that's fun. That's why most kids, like, if I've ever seen them, they have no idea how to stretch. High schools don't teach them how to stretch. Um, when they're playing younger, I think what you guys call here, like, um, so young baseball here, little league, and little stuff, like, they never really teach the kids how to warm up properly. They just, oh, jog down there and jog back. And you go. I mean, that's not how you warm up the body for no matter what age you're at. Yeah. You know, in fact, young kids should actually warm up a lot harder than anybody older because their muscles are so flexible. They need to be completely warm before you force them in different directions. So, uh, so what, why don't you talk about, um, just while we're on kids, what, what's appropriate um, transitioning more into the strength and conditioning side? So uh, I'll put one last piece in just because... We have so many kids coming to us that have had injuries or um, are going through a season and their arms get sore. And like, this is what we keep telling people is we are creating a team of people that, that can handle a lot of these questions and might have a lot more solutions than what you might get going to other places. And I have to be very careful when I say that because we are not doctors and we are not physical therapists. but. Um, there are some things that we know how to do to make people feel healthy. Yeah. So, moving on to the strength and conditioning with younger players, um, I, I've talked a little bit in the past of kind of what's appropriate for an 8-year-old versus what's appropriate for an 18-year-old versus a 28-year-old, but I don't know that I've ever had that conversation with you. So. Um, basically, the biggest thing for lifting for anybody, any age, is body control. There's no point being able to do a 100-pound squat on your back if you can't do a bodyweight squat, plain and simple. Well, should they be, should they be well, squatting in the first place? Well, yeah, because they need to be able to build those muscles in the correct line, right? If you make a kid that's never had a squat before, make him try to squat and grab a ball or jump, his body's not going to know what to do. So you start teaching the kid the good form with body weight, and then you start ramping up from 
whether it be bands or lightweight or static engagements, it's explosive, just some way to be able to engage the muscle properly. And then you ramp up the weights and the weights and weights to do that way. Then, static engagement. Yeah, so you're basically starting at the loaded squat, basically with weight, and then having them stand up. Right? So a lot of people have different theories on how to get your squat better. Let's say you, you do a 300 pound squat, but you want to get your full height. A lot of people, like strength and strongman and stuff, believe that if you start at the loaded squat, you need the bar from the bottom, you go up, and actually increase your strength way faster than just doing squats all day or trying to progress the weight up that way. They say teaching the muscle to take the most amount of weight at the hardest part, which is usually from the stop up, then being able to take it up and down. So you teach the kids with man from the bottom of the squat, explode up, and back into a landed squat. Right? So you teach them conditioning and strength at the same time with power. So it's almost reverse. Pretty much, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I've seen that a lot on, on, online where you have people that are doing like pretty shoulder height assisted where it's almost yeah. at the 90 and they just pick it up. Yeah. They just go up from there and come back down. Right? Yeah. So it's like a training wheel situation. Same with like bench. A lot of my friends. Oh, and you still put it down. Yeah. So you don't yeah. lose the eccentric. You just. No. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. That was. Well, it's more like an assisted, assisted depth thing. Oh, but it's not. It's so simply you started from the hardest part of yes. the day to teach you how to get efficient. Ah, come back down. What is that called? Is it static? What? Static engagement. Static engagement. Yeah. A lot of Yeah. So I'd say Thorpe and Jorgens is probably like, I wouldn't say the inventor of it, but he's the most well. Thorpe and Jorgens. Yeah, he's the world's strongest man. He's the one that promotes it the most. I'd say. So as a performance guy with yourself, like something like that, trying to. Is that something you've experimented with yourself? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. What's the fastest way to become strongest? Yeah, right? definitely. Like, uh, my benching, I don't remember the last time I benched, like, probably. Um, I always do, like, explosive benches, um, uh, eccentric slow motion, pump at the bottom, explosive up at the top. And then when I do decide to bench, my number is either equal to what it used to be or it's better. The control is there. So I don't ever go, like, all right, today I'm going to go bench 135, uh, start 135, jump to 225, to 315, 405. Um, I'd probably just start at throwing 100 pounds, so you throw it, let it go, engage it back, explode it up. Um, usually we teach people, like, the Smith machine. And once you've got enough control, you go into the free weights. Because um, if you can throw 225 pounds, you should easily be able to bench it once, right? So like if I could throw up, right, yeah. So that way, I found like all my clients, especially my like, young clients, if we do that kind of training, we put them on the floor with dumbbells. The dumbbell number goes through the roof. I have 15 year old kids that start up only being able to 10 or 15 pounds after we do that type of training. They're in the 30s and 35s in two months. You know? So um, it teaches them control for the stability muscles, your triceps, chest, lat, um, the shoulders, for the weights. You know, it's, it's not just your chest that's doing. That's after catching the bottom, shoulders, pushing up the triceps up as well. But you also got to teach everything to work the same. Right? It's that old saying if I can bench 300 pounds, technically I should be able to take 150 pound dumbbell on each arm and push it up. 99% of people, that's impossible. Yeah. It'd be 200 in the dominant arm, 100 in the other. Right? Now we got to do, that's why a lot of my clients always do isolated movements to make one side of the movements feel stronger than the other. Then we do some uh, functional training to put them together. Makes me wonder about like performance in baseball, and like I've always been interested. What's the fastest way to get to what level of strength, right? So, can you explain how being stronger in 
one like being stronger is like as being big. Like being big and being strong, that's like it's more normal, right? Like there's a size thing that happens when you're getting stronger, right? And you're getting bigger. Right. Well what happens is when you get bigger, you've just torn the muscles and they've gotten bigger. But you could be massive, right? And have zero density, which means somebody that's half your size has the same amount of density could probably lift more than you. Right? So size doesn't always mean strength. You have to create that density in the muscle, which allows oxygen to flow better, the muscle stronger and prefer to handle more pressure through it. So that makes sense because then you have guys that are like, we have, we, we have this giant monopoly in the gym, right? Where it's like you have these machine Terminator dudes like Noah Syndergaard, and then you've got little dudes like Jordani uh, Ventura, who's like Syndergaard's Marcus six Strong. Five. Yeah, Marcus Strong. Syndergaard's six five, five. 250 Tim pounds. Tom. There's, and then there's all these little dudes. Yeah. Right? And there's these Delvin little dudes. Six eight two eighty five. Yeah. Throws a hundred. And then Tim Collins is five five one eighty. So how how do you explain that? Um, really, that's just the body's ability to create energy and release it more efficiently. So you can be a big strong guy, for example. Like I gave you that example the other day. I might be able to lift both of you if you put even your numbers together. I'll probably beat both your numbers. I guarantee there's no way I can throw it anywhere near you guys, right? Even if I have the same skill as you, there's just the way you create that energy through your torso and those hips and release it through all of your arms. It's like there's, I can't do that unless I had to train and change the way I was training because you guys just have that explosive sink in your brain. Right? But uh, okay, so this is, I feel like in like a year, if you gave me a year, oh my goodness. Right, let's see, what I'm saying is, that just because I'm bigger doesn't mean I'm going to be able to throw faster. Yeah, I'd, have to re- I'd have to learn how to create that energy in my body. No, I, I get that. Like I've, sure. I've trained my body to be able to pick up heavy weights, right? Because I know how to control the muscle properly. I can't control the specific muscles that you guys want to release it. Right? Right. So even though I am stronger, um, it, it's just my, I don't know how to create that energy. My body doesn't know how to create that energy. Right, so like, what does that ad- adaptation look like? Okay, so for somebody who's like your age, right? So, you know what I'm asking? Yeah. Okay, maybe it's just a bad question. Let's, let's just move on away from that. I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm beating the dead horse on that. I think for so power and performance in baseball, it's almost like any explosive sport where you need to be able to create the most amount of energy through the muscle and release it, right? right? For example, shot putters. The best shot putter isn't the biggest person. It's the one that can create the most load into the spring and explode it out in one movement. If, for example, let's say my shoulders are super dominant and I'm a shot putter, that's great. I'll probably be able to pick up a 16-pound ball more than somebody with 12. But if somebody that's more efficient and stronger throughout the whole body is a unit, they'll be able to throw that 16 further than I can, right? So you have to be balanced throughout the whole body where probably my arms, well, my lats might not be as explosive as yours, right? You talk about it always says my bias is uh, balance. That's my bias, that the body needs to stay in balance. It's a funny bias. Makes sense for body control. I have a question that I don't want to forget to ask it. So while we're still on the strength and conditioning, like, so baseball players are going to be like, how many times they're all gonna be like, can I lift once a month and like that make me as big as I need to be? Like most of the baseball players that I know don't love strength and conditioning, they love baseball. Um, and so I think everybody wants to know like 
what is the least I can do? What is the most I should? Right. And so, kind of from your standpoint, do you think, like, where, do, what's, what should you be doing? What's the frequency of strength? Uh, it depends on the goal of the person or the athlete. Because, for example, let's say the goal is I need to get stronger. Well, then we got to figure out what your starting point is. So let's say if I'm simplest one. I'm, I'm 12 years old, I want to throw 90 miles an hour um, by the time I'm 18 years old. Then you have to be a full training program, probably three to four times a week with correct stretching program, like days off, and then just working on that skill to integrate the functional throwing. Because it's not just being strong, like I said, to be able to throw 90 miles an hour. How about an eight-year-old? You need to start from the bottom and control, body control. So how many times a week does that only? Three. Two to three. So there, there it is, right? So an eight-year-old can start doing two to three times a week, like thinking about these things, right? Not other two or four, probably. Some type of functional, so be all kinds of games. Yes, Very go play basketball, obstacle stuff, whatever. Just making the body as strong as possible. Yeah, if we were training. But like yeah. typically, what happens is like people aren't paying seven thousand dollars a month to go train their kid to be, you know, the next MMA fighter and the next Nolan Ryan, right? So usually it's like. Where can we invest this time and money into the things that are most important to them? And we get a lot of baseball players that love baseball. So then it's going to be the other things. The eight-year-old's going to go play soccer. The eight-year-old's going to go do all those right. other things. And that training's going to help them in all their sports. Right. Right. So. Yeah, just try to be